Hello, I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional, or even remotely mature. But we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like Uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. And you dropping your voice? That could be be our first intro. So without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. (laughs) In this episode, David is going to be giving a presentation he gives to professionals and folks with ADHD all across the country. It's amazing. And he managed to give it to some of our neurodiverse and neurotypical friends and family. Christina, AJ, Gabe, and my husband, Bobby. Thank you so much for joining us, amazing friends and family. So for this episode, you're going to hear David talking about a PowerPoint presentation. Kind of hard to do over a podcast. So if you want to see some of these visuals he's talking about, go to our show notes to a link or go straight to our website, somethingshinypodcast.com. That's somethingshinypodcast.com, and you can check them all out for free. This is part two of my lecture series. If you're just jumping in here, you might want to go back and listen to part one. It makes part two make a whole lot more sense. Now, starting in part two, audience member Gabe is talking a little bit about his family and connects with something called auditory processing disorder. It's important to note that auditory processing disorder is slightly different than ADHD. It has to do with how the brain takes in auditory information and how it can get overwhelmed and mishear things. This is not like ADHD and distractions can make people mishear things. Now, without further ado, here is the brilliant David talking about all things ADHD. It seems that um, like in my family, we had a lot of sensitivity things to like sound Mm -hmm. growing up, but we didn't necessarily relate them all to ADHD where I was like, oh, you just can't filter out noises from your head. Can I can I just say this differently and I'll just throw a giant blank and you can tell me this feels good? Yeah. So sounds are more distracting for your family. Correct. Yeah. But is that only ADHD or is it auditory processing? Or are those always related or are they not? I'm smiling right now and I'd say they're not, they, they, they're not, it's not like bourbon and whiskey. They're more differentiated than that. But I'd say like within ADHD, the, the variables that distract like are important to kind of honor. They're going to be there like throughout, throughout, it'll always bother you. You'll never like get over sounds, right? And we know that ADHD is genetic. So if in your family, sorry, mom and dad, I'm not trying to call anyone out, but if your family, you have more, some people that are more sensitive to noise than other, and then there are other people that really don't care about noises, but they hate other people's reactions. So they like protect from loud noises. It's like, you can see the differentiation between the ADHD and the people that don't have ADHD. If you're just thinking, Why am I the only person in this family with ADHD? Just remember, most likely, you're not alone. Evidence suggests there's a strong genetic link around ADHD in families. Check our show notes for more detail. In terms of auditory processing and spectrum stuff? By spectrum, I mean autism spectrum disorder. And yes, you can have autism spectrum disorder and ADHD. In terms of auditory processing 
and spectrum stuff, it gets very different because what ADHD then impacts is a person's ability to delay gratification. And in terms of behavioral interventions for like spectrum stuff, that gets really complicated. Wins have to be much smaller. Like, not like we have a good day and I'll give you a donut. It's like five minutes and you get 10 donuts. Like you have to, you have to really structure different win categories. Set a timer right now. Right, done. <laughs> and give me the do rights. Uh, you mentioned donuts. I'm gonna spend the rest of this time only thinking about donuts. I'm just saying it right now. You're welcome. All I want. I'm gonna okay. draw you a picture of a donut. Right Thank you. During the rest of this presentation. I feel like as you draw that picture, you're gonna get more hungry. Okay. okay, sorry. I was in the early stages of pregnancy at this point, and I will go on record and say you don't have to be pregnant to want some Stan's gluten-free donuts. Not a sponsor of the show, just really love Stan's donuts. I mean it. Stan's, why don't you move to Nashville with us? Anyway, well, shout out to Five Daughters. It's a local, really delicious, also offering gluten-free um, options donut chain here. It's local to Nashville. Go Five Daughters. But I really miss my stands, too. Anyway, could probably talk about donuts a good long while. Back to David. No, you're great. This is awesome. But, like, let's think about the two different types of ADHD, right? Let's go into that because we've talked about blood flow. We've talked about dopamine. We've talked about neurotransmitters. We see how the blood flow moves in the brain. All right. Are you going to talk about more about blood flow later, or should I ask blood flow questions right now? You want to ask your blood flow questions? Yeah. Questions. So blood, blood flow it seems like something that you can manipulate. Oh, good. The best, the best case scenario around blood flow in the brain, and the reason why they measure it, is they know what they think. They get, they approximate, right, because it's all brain stuff, that where the blood is going is the part of the brain that's working and being used. So they imagine when the blood flows into your prefrontal cortex, you're using those skills, and when it leaves, you have less access to those skills. So blood flow, you can change it, but people are less aware of how they change it, and part of the work around ADHD is making it more observable, right? So um, right now, you all are attending to me, and I'm talking about like a pretty interesting topic so like there's you're probably remembering words i'm saying and pauses that i'm saying on levels that other people wouldn't the greater degree of focus you're using your prefrontal cortex right if we were to distract you which we won't the way we would get you back is using skills that only your prefrontal cortex can use right so the only thing your prefrontal like one of the best skills your prefrontal cortex can do is see objects in another object right so if we look around the room right now, and anyone listening, look around the room where you are and pick like squares or circles, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a perfect square. Um, and like I'm looking at this TV and just know I can count the inside square and the outside square and the black part is a square. So this is three squares, right? And if we look around and we start counting other squares, what you're actually doing is you're turning on your prefrontal cortex because it's the only part of your brain that can find those squares. So can you move the blood flow around in your brain? Yes, there are exercises that do that. Are there things you can do to like ground yourself? Like, yes, there are things we can do to like change it. But what's best thought about is like what naturally, what the environment naturally evokes and like feeling less uh, or more able to ask for those things. I had a boss say like, what would you need to really design a talk? And I'm like, I don't know. I want to rent a cabin in the woods for a week. And they're like, okay. Cool. Right. And and I was like, are you kidding? Like, no, you have, we have a training budget. Like, we can make this happen. You do your own thing for the weird stuff that you're going to do up there, but we can help you rent the cabin. I never thought that, that would be okay as a professional. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Weird. <laughs> so the, the reason I asked the blood flow question and manipulate uh, manipulation of it is because growing up, I was way more functional uh, uh, when I was 
anytime I was in a sport. So anytime I was exercising every day for yeah. a, a long time, I was always better in school. I was always, my behavior was better. I could pay attention better. So my executive functions and my forebrain, whatever, were always better in seasons of sports. And my parents could tell a vast difference when I wasn't doing yeah. it. Absolutely. Is that blood flow or that's more? There's, it's more complicated than just blood flow. Okay. But what I would say is the best thing to think about with ADHD, whether it's inattentive, combined, or hyperactive, is there's an energy bar. And I'm hold, like, like, I always think of like, like those old Nintendo games where like you punch the person and the energy bar goes down. If you do not use this energy bar during the day, it turns into anxious rumination at night. There's like, I can be that specific, just anxious rumination about stuff that doesn't make sense. Like, did I... For the length of fabric I cut, the same length? Or, oh my God, I swear it's an inch longer. Why did I do that after we cut them all? Like the weirdest thoughts can come in, but what's happening while you're having those anxious ruminations, your heart is beating faster and you're using the energy that you had to use. The anxiety or anger will make you use the energy you have to use. So there are lots of inter passive interventions people can do to use more energy during the day. Like I play video games standing up. So as long as I play, I have to stand. I try to go for like walks a couple times during a day. Like I figured out like my energy mediums and where they, where it feels better. I just had a fear. Like, did we lose all audio for the last 10 minutes? No, no, I was adjusting, I was adjusting your level a little bit. Bobby was monitoring the recording of this podcast. So the red lights and the tweaks he's referring to are the equipment showing how loud we are and how the sound is coming through. Perfect. I'm just doing, I'm doing my ADHD tweaks as I'm like, Okay, yeah, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> stare, stare at the red, stare at the red lights. Red lights? Yes, the red lights on Bobby's sound recording equipment. Anyway, back to what we were saying. It's so funny. You just said stare at the red lights, and I was like, oh, yeah, those? Not looking at them. Like, I literally looked at them for a second and was like, you're not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> because being oppositional re is rewarded by dopamine. The act of debate. Think about debate with less sophisticated terms, right? Like we're not all like scholars that are trying on debate team. A debate is screw you no, <laughs> right? That, like, it's less sophisticated, but like the act of debate, that's the part for me that's so interesting. It's like people can dig a hole like so deep. It's like, you could never catch me. And people are like, we can't reach you. And like, yep, can't reach me. And then, then the person realizes they're stuck in a hole. Like the arguments I typically see between parents and kids with ADHD is like, Finish your dinner right now, or you can't watch TV tonight. And the kid goes, no. It's like, and you can't watch TV for the week. I don't care. It's like, well, you can't watch TV for the whole year. Yeah, I'm not eating. And the kid like goes, yeah, I won. I'm not eating. I'm in the bed. Right? And then they, they're in the bedroom, and they're feeling rewarded because they just debated with their father, and they just won. And now they realize they're not going to watch TV for an entire year. And they have the worst buyer's remorse of the situation. And they're crying, going, no, I would have eaten it. They don't understand. Like, these are typical arguments that parents and kids had. So the best thing we can do is don't get into a power struggle with someone with ADHD. They will not power struggle correctly. Does that make sense? So, that, this, is, this is a great, this is so timely and topical. Last night, my, and then maybe this is just the age, my two and a half year old woke up at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. screaming that he wanted milk and he demanded milk. He needed milk right then. And we're like, hell no. <laughs> it's 2 a.m. There's no way you're winning this. I will I will fight you one-on-one -on -one before I give you milk, <laughs> right? Because tomorrow night you're going to want milk too. Right? Oh, yeah. And you have the expectations there, right? Mm -hmm. So the uh, – oh, shit, I forgot the question. Um, 
Anyway, that happened. <laughs> I uh, love everything that just happened. <laughs> in terms of like screaming oh, so, and winning a power so, struggle. Yeah, right? winning, winning, you said don't get into a fight with a, in a power struggle with someone with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, okay, what, what other option do you have than to do that fight with your child in a power struggle, right. if that's ADHD. So, it, like, and not all power struggles are ADHD. Or if you're a parent, right? Yeah. So if that situation happens and you're the parent with ADHD, I become, like, the the, the terrible barbarian, right? That says, if the, if the stance is no, bil- no milk, right? And that's your stance? Yep. Okay, no milk. And then what would your child do? Milk! Yep, I understand. Milk. You want milk and it's not going to happen. Sorry, bye. Have a good night. If you want to scream for, like, a good 10 minutes, you can. I'll come back in to check on you and see if you're safe. But there's no milk. Ooh. And and right now, if I'm saying you can't have milk, I'm in a power struggle. And if it's just not an option, it's less of a power struggle. And if they say it has to be, you have to give me milk. Like, well, you're, you can't hear me. I'm not talking to you. And we exit the situation. You limit their ability to say all of the horrible things that they're going to regret in 10 minutes. If they're like 16. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Waking up at 2 asking for milk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go get it. <laughs> go get your milk. Go get, there we go. Go get your own milk, 16-year-old child. Okay, so we talked about the difference between neurotransmitters and hormones, and we're going to talk about the two kinds of difference with ADHD. We're going to talk about too much brakes and too much gas. So too much gas has to do with impulsiveness. These are people that have a very hard time with delay of gratification. These are people that have a high degree of impulsive behavior. Too much breaks are people that have a hard time making a decision. They very rarely have the buyer's remorse, but they also have a hard time making a decision. It's the difference between the printers. The person that buys two printers, too much breaks, or the person that struggles for a year to get one printer, too much breaks, the person that buys two printers has too much gas. Combined type is, imagine driving with like your foot on each pedal, right? And so the more familiar the neighborhood you're driving in, the more likely you're gonna drive fast. And the less familiar you are in the neighborhood, the more likely you're going to break around every corner. And that's about environmental changes for the combined type. Does this explain, like, I mean, this is a strange metaphor or, like, I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm thinking of, like, ADHD on vacation. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. what happens when you change your everyday routine and your environment and, like, how suddenly, like, you know how people say you become a different person on vacation? Mm-hmm. I really feel like the people I know and myself included who, when, like, on vacation, there's, like, weird different levels of like either irritability or like like do you, do you know what i mean it, it just feels like or even chill or even chill yeah, yeah. like does that make sense it absolutely makes sense you're talking about how someone can make structure yes and so when some people go on vacation they lose all of the accommodation structure that they have in their regular life and they struggle because they don't have structure so they try to make projects which can look like arguments or fights or fixing a broken thing in a house that's not actually broken. Like the weird vacation stuff that can come out of people. Creating structure. <laughs> Absolutely. And and, it, yeah, and I think like you're talking about the difference between structure. Like vacations are never structured. You create the structure of vacation. My last vacation, we had a goal of trying to read a book in a day. That was my structure. I totally accomplished it. It was a young adult book and it was really good, but I finished it. One day, yeah. You read a book. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. Impressive. Thanks. I only do it on vacation. <laughs> no, seriously, I only do it. Yeah. <laughs> so would so there have been two vacations where I started trying to write a book. Yep. On the vacation, and it happened twice in two separate instances, and I thought it was weird in both cases, 
but this plays into that. You are absolutely starting to realize the accommodations you need to write a book. Wow. Sweetie, we need to be on vacation a lot. <laughs> you need to go to, you need to go to Prague again. Well, and it's, it's really about like, it's, <laughs> no, it's about no the absence of structure that you're having, or it's about the way. Okay, so the two vacations I'm thinking of, there was just, we're literally hanging out with relatives. There's no plans. Yeah. And I'm like, oh God, and I start writing a book. Whereas when I'm with her, we have itineraries down to the 15 minute increments no books being read. And and there might have been people you wanted to avoid. Of, with both of the vacations with my family, yeah, I was right. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 actually, and so, like, let's think about how, like, adaptive that actually is. Wow. How productive that actually is. Wow. Let's talk about how that creates structure in an environment. Let's talk about how the lack of response cost makes you realize you can't finish it, but you didn't realize that when you started it, and then you think you're a failure for not finishing it. And then that hurts your <laughs> self-esteem more and more again. <laughs> Sorry, this is when I look like a psychic. I love this, but, like, right? You nailed it. What is response cost? It's a brain skill that helps you know the consequences of something later on down the road. Also, can we hear what David said again? Because what he said is just so relatable. Ah, David, your brain is so wonderful. Okay, here's what David said repeated one more time. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Now, actually, and so, like, let's think about how, like, adaptive that actually is. Wow. How productive that actually is. Whoa. Let's talk about how that creates structure in an environment. Let's talk about how the lack of response cost makes you realize you can't finish it, but you didn't realize that when you started it, and then you think you're a failure for not finishing it. And then that hurts your self-esteem more and more again. <laughs> so this is when I look like a psychic. I love this, but like, right? You nailed it. And, and what we, the reason we're talking about this is it helps. The more we can talk about this, the less it actually hurts your self-esteem, right? Because you're not the damaged person that couldn't write the book twice. Like, I mean, I am. It's just... It just isn't finished yet. The choices around, like, it truly, like, really thinking about it differently. It's like, when we succeed and fail, it's like, it's not random that we succeeded on, in these places. You ever gotten cereal and found that there's, like, a prize in the bottom? But, but there's, like, five prizes that you have to collect. you got to collect them all. Well, my lecture is being broken up into small prizes that are found at the bottom of cereal boxes. Except, instead of a cereal box, it's this podcast. And we will slowly be releasing them. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I'm nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.